The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. And now it's time for the Mr. Nelson Show. Welcome to another episode of the Mr. Nelson Show, episode 63. And this starts off our uh, Christmas-themed episode. Happy holidays. So I'll be happy doing holidays. some Christmassy stuff. Happy well, holidays. same thing I did for uh, Halloween. Just keep offending everyone. Uh, oh, you know, like I play old radio happy stories holidays. that uh, have Christmas-themed stories. So we'll be playing one of those later in the show after night-night. But in the meantime, a little bit of news here. Yeah, that's right. Trump done brought a Christmas present for those people over there in Indiana who were, thought they were going to lose their jobs in Mexico. Instead, they're going to keep him because Trump came through like Santa Claus. Oh, my God. It was all a stunt. What? Well, Red, Lefty may have a point there. What? What? Yeah, uh, this is a bit heavy-handed, and uh, the government doesn't really have any place doing what Trump did. Uh, no, you know, stop it right there. I'm getting sick and tired of this. Oh, you got to prove you're the thinking man and you're in between things and all that crap when all you are is turning into a goddamn conservative. Yeah, uh, I'm the cuck because I won't suck a man's balls at the drop of a hat. Is that how that works? What? God damn it. Yeah, sit your ass down, Red. Here's the deal that uh, managed to get Carrier to stay. See, originally, uh, this was in Indiana, and of course, uh, Vice President-elect Mike Pence is, uh, and was, and is still until he's... Gets the vice president job, uh, governor of Indiana. So, uh, when Carrier said, Yeah, we're going to have to move to Mexico. We can't afford to stay here. Uh, he offered them a deal of seven million dollars in tax breaks, which was the best he could do. Well, they turned it down because staying, uh, and keeping those jobs in Indiana would have cost them $65 million. Well, you can easily do the math there. $7 million just wasn't going to cut it. So apparently uh, what the state could do was only uh, save them $7 million in tax breaks. Apparently uh, the, whatever the uh, regulatory costs and what have you remain, and it's still too much. So they were going to move to Mexico. Well, of course, Trump made a campaign promise that he was going to punish companies for doing something like that. And it seems he's already uh, coming through on that. That's right. That's right. Well, here's what he did. Because uh, now they're accepting the deal. But how could that be? Uh, it's still the six, uh, $65 million here at stake. So why would they change their mind? Well, uh, Trump threatened <laughs> to uh, withdraw the federal defense contracts that ca- uh, Carrier's parent company, United Technologies, has. At apparently a cost of $6.7 billion uh, in business with the feds. So they can ill afford that loss. So they're going to have to swallow the loss here for that one. Plus uh, whatever little uh, deals they'll get. Now, keep in mind, uh, the uh, tax credits was only for them uh, all along. So uh, that's another problem. If you're going to do this, you should do it across the board, not uh, in a favoritism way, because then that incentivizes other businesses. Hey, I'm going to leave. Better give me some treats. You know, that kind of thing back and forth. But it's also on the other side with uh, Trump doing threats here. And of course, the tariffs and whatnot, which is <laughs> you're going to have to pay for if you want any of these products. Uh, corporations don't pay taxes. Their customers do. I just I mean, these people weren't going to have a job, and now they're going to have them. And it's in the middle of Christmas, and it's a good thing. Yeah, well, it is nice that they'll keep their jobs in these uh, thousand jobs that he saved. Uh, there's that little tidbit, but this is not how you do it. It is heavy-handed. It is government sanction, almost uh, nationalizing things because they're telling you you can't leave. Uh, companies are private. And if they want to leave, they can. The idea here is uh, for government to get out of the way of business and reduce the cost so that they would want to stay here. It would be easier and much better. But unfortunately, in this case, 
they couldn't come to that agreement. We don't know entirely all the details, but this alone is pretty damn bad, and it's just the sort of thing a Democrat would do. Oh, now, really? Yes, really. Because uh, uh, you don't like uh, companies using uh, tax shelters and stuff. Oh, no, my God, no, they should be forced to keep them here. Well, there you go. You and Red agree. What? Yeah, you do. Uh, you too. That's kind of a happy sight to see, almost. No, no, it's not true. Yeah, this is almost like a Bernie Sanders type move that uh, Trump did here. What? Uh, it, it, I, I can't take it. I can't. No, no more. Yeah, I didn't think he could. So I guess we ought to move on to an actual Christmas story, huh? Before we get, you know, too mad at each other and stuff. Well, look, I'm getting a little upset at this constant use of a term that is highly offensive to people because not everyone believes in your little magic baby from the stars that's going to save everybody. Yeah, well, uh, you're right about that, Lefty, uh, because, uh, ISIS doesn't believe it either. Uh, and a Christmas apparently offended them so much that no, that's not how this story goes. Hit, I've got it. I'll read it. Thanks to ABC News, we now know that a year ago, the horrible San Bernardino attack, which just goes to show that there's too many guns in America, uh, was not inspired by ISIS. What? Now come on. No, it wasn't. It appears it was inspired by Christmas. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's what it claims here. Uh, apparently, uh, the wife of uh, the, uh, well, they were husband, wife and husband killer, the jihadi husband uh, had, well, he had to go to this Christmas party at his job. And she was apparently upset about that because she felt her husband was forced to attend a Christmas party. And so they quickly decided uh Mass murder was the solution, at least according to this ABC News report. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, could you at least open your mind to the possibility that the intrusion of white Western culture could push people of a different culture, of a third world culture, of a less privileged culture, could be somewhat offended and pushed to the edge. No, you can't. You can't ever think that. Well, now, uh, you keep in mind these people that they murdered, uh, his co-workers, uh, some of them had recently thrown a baby shower for them. Uh, so, um, oh boy, this is really hard to understand. Exactly. You can't understand it because you're wrapped up in your culture. You won't respect theirs. How the hell should I respect the culture? A bunch of people are going to murder somebody over a goddamn party. Yeah, he's got a point there, huh? No. Now, oh, Lefty, come on. They, they announced their allegiance to ISIS. It's, it's a case closed on that as far as their motives. No, you got to understand. They looked into their computers and discovered that on the day they decided to do their attack, they were constantly searching on the ISIS leader, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Now, come on. And I believe the quote from one of the investigators is that you would think that somebody that was truly involved in that and committed wouldn't need to be constantly researching it on the day that they were going to do the attack. So just how involved were they with this when it was someone they hardly even knew? So the evidence that Christmas might be the motive is that they were searching for the name of the leader of ISIS, and you just immediately conclude that they just didn't know it when it could have been any number of reasons that they were looking up stuff on it. Uh, this is uh, really bizarre and stupid. I mean, I, political correctness really pushes people to uh, beyond Alice in Wonderland uh, uh, nuances to ex keep their their fantasy uh, real to them. Uh, and, uh, and in some cases, like I was spoken before, like Fort Hood, it gets people killed. Uh so this is uh, terrible, and uh, for pushing this uh, narrative, ABC News should be ashamed of itself. Oh, as if you're in any position to tell anyone to be ashamed of themselves. You should be ashamed of questioning Trump on that carrier deal. No, I mean, well, yes, I mean, no, I mean, well, he's right and wrong on that one. What now? Come on. No, it's true, you know it. Oh, God. Uh, we're going to have to take a break, but first... 
Let's not forget our good friends over at Tweaked Audio, where you can find some great headphones and accessories. Just head over to tweakedaudio.com and use the discount code Mr. Nelson for 33% off. Yes, that's Mr. Nelson, all one word. So it's almost Christmas. Better head over to tweakedaudio.com. You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. A hustler squad. Give them a knife and they'll slice you open. Give them a gun, they'll blow off your head. Pleasure Island became their grave. There was Rose, a condemned murderess who liked to love but liked to kill even more. Sonia, who'd been raped, her family butchered, and wanted revenge. Cindy, who'd do anything to escape the black marketeers who put a price on her pretty head. And Lieutenant West, she picked the pros. Then she became one. The Hustler Squad could do what an army didn't dare. U.S. military intelligence still denies their existence. You'll find out more about them on hotel registers than government records. You pay for the pleasure. The killing is free. The Hustler Squad, a Crown International picture, rated R. Next time on My Brother's Keeper. My name is Earl Handley, and I own the Handley Tackle Shop. Uh, it's the business my daddy left me, and I've been running it ever since. Uh, my younger brother, Daryl, is, well, I love him. I do. But he's just been an idiot since the day he was born. He recently uh, ruined his marriage. His wife kicked him out of the, the trailer house because he couldn't let go of the computer porn. So, now I figured it was my obligation to look out for him, so he's moved in with me and my wife and kids. And uh, he doesn't have a job, so I'm going to have to give him one here at the tackle shop. Yeah, I, I, I always looked up to the, uh, to the Earl, and, and I really appreciate uh, what he's doing for me. And I, I'm going to show him. I'm going to show him that I, 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 I'm something now. Well, I just hope they get along better than they do before. I'm not very confident that this will happen, but I just want everything to work out. It's just they, 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 they get into these big conflicts over, you know, little things. God damn it, Daryl! Get in here! What? What I do now? I just came out of the bathroom. Yeah, you know, yeah, look at me. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Did you? Did you piss in my toilet? Did you? Now, I did. Shut up! And answer me! Did you or did you not piss in my toilet? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> People say I'm overreacting. We got a guest room toilet. That's where he can do his business. He don't do it in mine. I don't know what to do. <laughs> How can Daryl grow if Earl keeps putting him down? And meanwhile, what about Sally Handley? Can she keep it all together while being trapped in the middle? I just wish they could understand that what nature calls, you know, sometimes... Don't make excuses for him, Sally! Damn it! You know I don't like that! And then, things got even more serious. I can't wait to see that Superman Batman movie. <laughs> that ought to be something there. Yeah. Daryl! 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 Come here, you! Oh, uh, uh, Earl, I. You stupid uh, idiot! Did you shit in my toilet? Uh, well, Don't uh, stammer! Answer me! Did you shit in my toilet? Hey. <laughs> yes, I did. I had the runs. My brother's keeper. Monday nights on TLC. Say, friends, why don't you help out the Nelson Show by visiting my many stores? Yes, you know, if you've been a regular listener, you've heard that I have a store at selfie.com. Selfie.com slash Nelson. Yes, there you can find all my little videos. Yes, videos of old movies, old sci-fi and old horror movies, things like that. 
with my delightful commentary and liberal use of cartoon sound effects. Yes, 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 lots of fun. But if that's not enough for you, you can head over to rifttracks.com slash iRiffs slash Nelson dash theater. That's iRiffs with an I, R-I-F-F-S, slash Nelson, N-A-I-L-S-I-N, dash theater, spelled the old English way, T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Yes, it's just that simple. Rifttracks.com slash iRiffs slash Nelson dash theater. There you'll find... More of the same films I've done, but also some extra ones, including Batman and Robin. Yes, the old 40s serial of these uh, dynamic duo guys. And uh, once again, my sound effects and uh, wonderful commentary. Yes. Also, there's society6.com slash Mr. Nelson, all one word, where you can get my t-shirts of a different variety of designs and art prints, mugs, pillows, even clocks. Yes, and much more. So head over to society 6 slash Mr. Nelson for those goodies. And of course, don't forget selfie.com slash Nelson. That's selfie.com slash N-A-I-L-S-I-N. Yes, it's just that simple. And you can help out your old pal, Mr. Nelson. Yes, 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 yes you can. This is Night Night, and I'm here to tell you that you're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. Well, uh, the last episode of Night Night pretty much concluded the run of old uh, Batman spoof stories that I did since I was a kid. And I went through most of those. There's a few others, some of which uh, were never really finished. And I might uh, go back to those at some point and kind of flesh them out and rewrite them or something. But uh, was there was not a lot there to begin with. There's one other uh, episode uh, involving an android or something like that. But I couldn't quite remember it all. And I can't seem to find it. <laughs> so it may be lost for all time. So I was unable to do it. So that was it for those series. And I always intended to come to these stories when I was done. And then after that, uh, it's going to be... Uh, new brand new stories that i'll come up with and uh, probably shaking up the format a bit on that stuff too but anyway what's coming up next now is the first chapter in the uh origin story of night night all superheroes have an origin story and night night's no different as we'll learn uh, how this all happened and why and uh some of the details have been mentioned in earlier stories but uh, this will give the whole story. Uh, this is actually based on a, a spoof I did back when I was uh, and still in high school, I believe, uh, where I did a spoof of Frank Miller's Batman Year One story, uh, which is uh, probably one of the best Batman stories <laughs> ever done. And, of course, I completely destroy it. Uh, there's other stories uh, that I drew from to make up this spoof, but uh, that was kind of like the uh, jumping-off point. And so... It's a parody of that and, and other stuff is uh, I'll talk about in uh, later episodes of Nelson show as I guide you through this one. But uh, there you go. So this will be chapter one of Night Night, the early years. He will become the laughing stock of Cityopolis. It'll be easy. Who the hell is this guy? And how did he get like that? Night Night, The Early Years, Chapter One. It all began on that fateful day at the penthouse home of billionaire Playboy subscriber Lyle Richmond and owner of the Club Night National Nightclub franchise. Uh, hello? Mr. Lyle Richmond? Yes, that's me. 
Uh, we're sorry to disturb you. Uh, I'm Detective Charles Wetwin, and my partner here, uh, Detective Lafferty. Uh, it appears your wife, uh, may have aided, uh, an inmate's escape from Statesville Pen this morning. <laughs> what? That's crazy. My God. She must have been kidnapped by this man. No, that's not going to work. You see, this uh, prison security cam footage we've got here on my phone, as you can see, clearly shows your wife uh, taking it up the hoop from convicted cat burglar Thomas Katz. No, this can't so, be. So, uh, based on this evidence, uh, we're going with the idea that she was a willing accomplice in uh, Mr. Katz's uh, escape. No. So, uh, what we need from you is, uh, to immediately contact us if you learn of her whereabouts. Um, you could just, um, call us or, uh, um, just if you hear from her, let us, yeah. Uh, look, here's my card. I'm going to leave it here on this table. And, uh, if you think of anything or you hear from her, uh, well, let us know. Okay. No, 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 Rosie. Rose, how could you do this to me? No. She was clearly seduced and manipulated by criminal scum. Yes, the world of crime did this to me. I cannot allow this to go unavenged. As God is my witness, I will, um, well, I'll do something as soon as I figure it out. But mark my words, I will do something as soon as I figure it out. Well, anyway, six weeks later, we find Lieutenant Charles Wetwin traveling to work on a rainy, crowded street in Cityopolis. Oh, man, I hate this crappy city. Oh, jeez. Not that I'm in any hurry to get to work. God lord, the corruption there. It's like the muggers don't rob you, the cops will. And not only do I have to put up with that, but I gotta start my day off with my wife rolling over in bed and letting loose a gigantic pregnant fart. God, nothing's worse than a pregnant fart. Oh, man. And the idea of raising another child in this city. Oh, it's enough to make me want to barf. Oh, well, at least things can't possibly get any worse. Meanwhile, high above Cityopolis skyline, on a private jet, Lyle Richmond returns home after spending time abroad, unsuccessfully trying to recover his wife. Ah, uh, it's, it's good, good to be, be back. back. I, I love, love my city. city. And once he disembarks at the airport, Lyle Richmond is greeted by members of the press. Mr. Richmond, Mr. Richmond, Mr. Richmond, Mr. Richmond, Richmond we're here to find any leads on your strange wife. Law enforcement been any help at all in trying to locate your strange wife? Mr. Richmond, any truth in the rumors that you've given up on your wife and are now dating Taylor Swift? Yeah, in Taylor's dreams. Well, Wiener, it seems Lyle Richmond is still the same self-centered rich brat everyone in Cityopolis remembers. Thank you, Sally. Charges against Commissioner Lowell Lee have been dropped. D.A. Bent said he had no choice due to the disappearance of a key witness. I'm Winnie One Care. More news after this. And later at the offices of Club Night. Welcome back, man. Thank you, Smedley. Well, guess I'll make out a guest list for your homecoming party. No, Smedley. Tonight, I must feast upon the fruits of revenge. Uh, say what? Later that night, we again find Detective Charles Wetwin in a car with his partner, Ned Lafferty. Huh. Seems the press here gives uh, Cityopolis police a hard time on suspected police brutality. Police brutality, my ass! What does that paper know anyway? Up yours, pig! What? God damn it, take a look at that! A little snot-nosed punk shooting us the rod. You see? When you have a breakdown in respect for law enforcement, you can't maintain civilization. Hey, hey, you little shit. Let's see how you handle being shot by my ride. Oh, oh, no. There's a hole in my shirt. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure taught him a thing or two. Pete, 
He might die. Well, then maybe it'll be a permanent lesson. Now, uh, what was I talking about? Police brutality. Oh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, those people are always bitching and moaning. Elsewhere on the streets that night walked Lyle Richmond, disguised in a fake nose, mustache, and glasses, and dingy clothing as he patrols the streets in search of his revenge on the world of crime. My plan is working perfectly. I, Lyle Richmond, shall rid this city of its trash. In this disguise, no one will recognize me. Well, with a stupid disguise like that, you can't possibly be a cop. Uh, er, right. Well, whatever. Look, handies are 20, BJs are 35... Uh, if you got to see my tits, uh, it's going to be 40. I, well, that's not... Uh, and my I mean, butt's got to be 50. And uh, uh, all the way is 100, so what's it going to be? Suddenly, a man in a trench coat appears, ripping open said coat, revealing his nudity. Ta-da! <laughs> oh, Larry, not again. Why, you perverted sex deviant. Take that! Yes, a quick kick to the balls should learn you the error of your deviant ways. Leave Larry alone, you turd! Oh, you sleazy slut! How dare you strike me! Oh. Hey, 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 hey! Hey, man! Yo was meddin' with one of my girls. Guess I'll have to teach you a lesson. What? Wait, no, no, you don't understand. I was. Oh. Hours later, a bruised and battered Lyle Richmond makes it home. And in other news, the hostage terror situation. The cruise ship Aphrodite of the Seas has come to a spectacular end with the sudden arrival of superpowered costume superhero Sun King. It appears Sun King flew in and at high speed oh. all of the hostages oh. lifted the entire cruise oh, ship God. into outer space oh. and took it and the terrorists oh. into the sun. Authorities say that said terrorists were indeed armed, and this can be counted as an Must. act of self-defense on the part Get to the of toilet. Sun King. I feel so bad. I think I'm going to throw up. Oh. Oh. The pimps and whores, they are afraid of me. I've failed before I've begun. I... Oh. oh, God. Oh, God, the smell. I gotta... I gotta get outside. I need the fresh air. Oh. 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 Jeez. Uh, what was I thinking? And why is the world against me? And what's this all about? Why did this happen to me? Why? What? What? Some bird flew overhead and, and shit on me. Wait. Of course. A creature of the night. That's it. I must become a knight of the night. How to slay the dark dragon of crime! And about one week later... Hey, what's this old storeroom door doing open? What? It sounds like someone down there. I better go see what's going on. All right, I don't know who you is down there, but I'm going to call the cops when you wears. You know what? Oh. No, no, it's Medley. It's what? me. But why are you dressed up like that? I mean, why are you wearing pantyhose and a cape? It's the attire of my new identity, Smedley. The identity of Night Knight. As I must now pursue vengeance upon the world of crime that so ruthlessly ripped out my heart when it stole the only woman I've ever loved. Yeah, but why are you wearing pantyhose and a cape? This... It, the outfit is based on the ideal archetypal outfit of the superhero, as inspired by Sun King. Yeah, but that dude can lift like cruise liners always here. What can you do? Well, I've got this belt with these crescent-shaped throwing discs and uh, throwing stars. See? Pretty cool, huh? No, not really. Never mind, Smedley. Don't wait up, as I must pursue crime wherever I find it and bring it to justice. Wish me luck, Smedley. Yeah, you're gonna need a lot more than that. And so thus begins Night Knight's first crusade as he leaps from one rooftop to another all throughout the city in search of crime anywhere. And he finds nothing. So the next night he does it again, and still nothing. And a couple of weeks later, and that particular night, finally he spots a man breaking and entering into an apartment. And it looks to be he's stealing a TV set. But thus, Night Knight has found his first target. 
<laughs> this TV sure looks nice, but it'll look even better in my apartment. <laughs> Hold it right there, vile villain. <laughs> what? What? Uh, a grown man, dressed head and toes, in pantyhose. I think you'd better think again about that TV set, lest you attempt the wrath of Night Night. <laughs> what? <laughs> My plan is working. This fool is obviously hysterical with fear. Now, criminal, you'll pay for your many crimes. Eat this! Suddenly, the criminal tosses the TV into the head of Night Night. Oh no, he's headed down below the fire escape. And breaking into another apartment. Man, oh man. Somebody must have left the door unlocked at the loony bin. <laughs> Got to act fast. Surprise! Oh no! I'm falling! Oh, no. I can't let him fall. I'm no killer. I must be above such acts. Pull me up, fat ass! Come on! Oops! Oh, oh. oh, well, nobody's perfect. And thus begins Night Night's crime-fighting crusade. And soon, stories begin to circulate all throughout the city of a mysterious costumed vigilante. And now we find ourselves in the small office of Detective Charles Wetwin. What's this about a guy in pantyhose attacking people? No, I'll look into that later. Hello, Lieutenant Wetwin. I'm your new partner, Sergeant Sarah Essence. Uh, I see. Well, come on in. Uh, have a seat. I, uh, <laughs> I hope you don't mind working with uh, an old man. <laughs> Actually, I find older men charming. <laughs> oh, boy. Meanwhile, in the commissioner's office... Yeah, the Greek is worried about this uh, pantyhose cape guy. Oh, come on, get real. No, no, he's serious. And uh, also, uh, I'm afraid Lieutenant Wetwin isn't going with the flow. You know, he's the one that reported Lafferty on police brutality. Can you believe that? Yeah, probably so. I tell you what, I know what I'll do with that idiot. I'll settle him down with this cape pantyhose man case. Later that night, in a darkened alley, a prostitute finds herself on the bad end of a sick sexual deviant's knife. What? What are you gonna do? Anything I want to. <laughs> but suddenly, Night Night enters the scene. Damn, I need to pick my nose, and I can't find an empty alley to pick it in private. Oh no! It's the Kate Pantyhose man! That's Night Night, you idiot! Catch you, pervert! All right, lady, I saw that. That's no way to treat a gentleman. Uh, a gentleman? Yes, I... Oh! 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 Blood! There's a knife! Knife! He shoved that knife knife in my... my, my, my... He shoved that knife in your ass! And later, down the block in the small, dingy apartment of the prostitute from the alley... Said prostitute has treated Night Night's wounds. Oh, oh, I shall avenge this violation. So swears the Night Night. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, you might want to pull your pantyhose up. They're falling down. <clears throat> oh, no. <clears throat> well, I appreciate your aid, madam. Uh, yeah, look, why are you dressed like that? And what were you doing? This is the garment of my crusade, the Night-Night Crusade. As I must pursue crime in all its forms, I am a dark detective of the night. Case in point, my detective deductive reasoning has shown that you have some sort of fixation on all things pig-like. Your apartment, however small, and yet it's packed top to bottom with pig memorabilia. Pig figurines, pig artwork, pig paintings, chairs in the shape of pigs, why, even the toilet lid is in the shape of a pig's head. Yeah, well, I grew up on a pig farm, and they were like my little friends, and I guess I brought them with me when I moved to the city. You are an obsessive person, but that's okay. 
Because so am I, Miss, uh... Jones! Suey Jones! And thus, Chapter 1 of Night Night, The Early Years, comes to a close. Tune in next week for Chapter 2. has been a Nail Sin production. The Night Night theme song is performed by Alistair White and his lovely wife, Heather. Incidental music is courtesy of Kevin McLeod. All characters are performed by me, Douglas Nelson. Join us again, won't you? Like the sound of my voice? Yes, you know you do. And you want to hear it in the best way possible. So why not get yourself some headphones and accessories from Tweaked Audio? Key features include eight colors and styles, mic'd and non-mic'd versions, designed to sound great for music and talk. Noise-reducing design with a lifetime warranty. So head over to tweakedaudio.com and use discount code Mr. Nelson at checkout for 33% off and free worldwide shipping. That's Mr. Nelson. M-R. N-A-I-L-S-I-N It's not case sensitive, but it is all one word. That's tweakedaudio.com It's intermission time. Wow! You know what that means, don't you? Popcorn, uh, hot dogs, hamburgers, Coke, Sprite, root beer... And around the world pizza. Man, this is a gassy pizza. It's been everywhere. Matter of fact, it's collected. Let's see, peppers and mushrooms, grilled cheese. Man, you name it, it's had it, you know. Because it's like from Japan, like from France, Germany, lower Slobovia. Comes complete with a 10-pound grit, boy. Try it, they're delicious. Around the World Pizza, exclusive only here at the Lake City area by the Lake City Drive-In Theater. And of course, we have a complete snack bar of candy and all the goodies that makes a snack bar complete. One of the most complete in the Lake City area. So, you know, while we have about 10 minutes, why not sneak up there and fill up? during intermission time. Out of Dwayne Eddy. Along with Willie and the Wheels. Go freight train. Well, guys, like we said, it's really nice to have you with us tonight. Of course, uh, since the snack bar is now open for everybody's convenience, no need to make a mad, mad rush for the door. Just, you know, think about what you want. And when you get up there, you have it. Because we have it. Everything. Just like that. I've never listened to that record, so I'm not at fault with it, you know what I mean? Get with it for music. In space, no one can hear. I stand corrected. Wow! Sounds like a cool outer space movie! <laughs> it isn't. But fortunately, your old pal Mr. Nelson will be there to guide you through it. Yes, that's right. Cosmos War of the Planets was Italy's answer to Star Wars. But for some reason, it just didn't catch on. Maybe it was the cheap special effects, or the below soap opera level acting, or maybe it was the fact the studio forgot to turn the damn lights on. Anyway, our sci-fi romp stars John Richardson, who once had a shot at being James Bond, but he lost out to George Lazenby. <laughs> Richardson just couldn't catch a break. I mean, it's one thing to lose out to Sean Connery, or even Roger Moore, <laughs> but George Lazenby? <laughs> Warning, due to an extreme lack of talent, bathroom humor is deployed throughout the film. 
Whoa! Where can I pick up this goodie? <laughs> All you have to do is head over to selfie.com slash Nelson. That's S-E-L-L-F-Y dot com slash N-A-I-L-S-I-N. Yes, it's just that simple. And you can pick up this particular sci-fi adventure for only $1.75. Whoa, cheap! <laughs> yes, yes it is. You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. All right, it's time for our Christmas story. Uh, this is from uh, Old Time Radio from the uh, Dragnet series. Before it became a television series, it was a radio show in the 50s, uh, also starring Jack Webb as the main uh, cop in the story. Uh, they, uh, As far as the radio show series goes, uh, I think they only did two Christmas episodes, and this is one of them. It's a bit of an anti-gun message. <laughs> and what are you going to do? But uh, in this particular scenario, I think all sides would agree. Uh, uh, for time, I've manipulated it a bit. It runs a little bit faster than the actual recording, and I've taken out uh, most of the ads. Uh, I wanted to leave them in, but I can't keep everything in there because it runs over because I don't like doing podcasts that last too long. And so uh, the ads are out and some of the uh, just dead air spaces <laughs> I took out as well. So here you go. Uh, the Dragnet Christmas episode titled 22 Rifle for Christmas. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to homicide detail. A small boy is reported missing from his home. His age, nine years. Foul play is suspected. Your job, find him. If you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of long cigarettes. Smoke Fatima. Fatima is the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make Fatima extra mild. And that's why Fatima has a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. That's why Fatima is doubling and redoubling its smokers. So, if you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke Fatima. Dragnets, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Thursday, December 22nd. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way into work, and it was 3.55 p.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide. Hi, Joe. Ben, what's you doing? Oh, pretty quiet. How's your mother? Well, that cold's still hanging on. Bad cough. Doc says nothing serious. My kid's got the same thing. Must be some kind of a virus going around. Yeah. Is that a new suit you got on? Oh, yeah. Ma figured I needed one. Let me see. Oh, yeah, that's a nice shade of blue. Where'd you get it? Quincy's down South Fig. Look okay? Turn around. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a good fit. Uh, did you get all the reports on the Webster case yet? Yeah, all taken care of. Let me get it. Homicide, Friday. Well, this is Levinson, Unit 113J. Got something for you. Yeah, Harry, what's doing? Dory and I are out here on Collis Avenue, 4656. Trying to track down a nine year old boy. What's the story? The kid's missing, suspicion of foul play. How long has he been gone? How do you figure? Kid was last seen playing in the backyard of his home. Yeah? We checked over the yard. Find anything? Bloodstains. Lots of them. They look new. Ben and I left a message for Chief of Detectives Thad Brown. Then we went over to the crime lab, picked up Lieutenant Lee Jones, and drove out the Arroyo Seco Freeway to Collis Avenue. It was an average neighborhood. Number 4656 was a one-story green stucco residence situated on the corner of Collis Avenue and Harrison Drive. Beyond the backyard was a tract of undeveloped land covered in scrub oak. Harry Levinson from Highland Park Juvenile was waiting for us in front of the house. Back this way, fellas. I'm coming, Lee. Wait till I get my back. Okay. 
Who notified you that the boy was missing, Harry? The mother. Said she went out to do some Christmas shopping about 11 this morning, left the boy home. Came back about 2 this afternoon, he was gone. What's the name? Johnstone. Kid's name is Stanley, 9 years old. Mm -hmm. Was this gate open like this when you got here? Oh, yeah, I haven't touched the thing. Uh, here are the stains over here, Lieutenant Jones, uh, along the edge of the walk, see? Yeah. Let me see. Mm. Quite a few stains, huh? Looks like it might be blood. I'll tie some benzidine on these spots here. Yeah. There we are. See what happens? Where's the kid's mother now, Harry? Yeah, in the house. Doherty's talking to her. Did you talk to any of the neighbors? People next door. Uh, one's on this side. They couldn't tell us anything. There it is, fellas. Yowie? These spots I covered with benzidine, they're trending blue. Blood stains, all right. Can't say definitely whether it's human or animal blood. Mm -hmm. You have to go back to the lab to run it through? Yeah, biological precipitant test. Hand me one of those glass vials from my bag, will you? Yeah. Okay, here you are. Thanks. Scrape some of these flakes off for a test. There we are. How soon can you tap the blood for us, Lee? Precipitant test won't run more than 20 minutes. It'll take three or four hours to run a blood grouping, though. That's it. Anything else you want to check? Levinson, anything else? Oh, uh, right here in my handkerchief. Empty shell. That marker over there by the rose bush, that's where I found it. Mm, from a twenty-two, huh? Yeah. Might tie in, might not. Mark it and dump it in this envelope, will you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. There you go. Did you get out a missing broadcast in the boy here? Uh, Darty did about a half hour ago. Oh, here's a description here. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mother know about the bloodstains? No, we didn't tell her. She's worried enough already. And she has no idea what might have happened to her boy. No more than we do. She checked all her friends, relatives. We're covering the neighborhood. No trace so far. Ain't much to go on. Bloodstains, empty cartridge. Could mean a hundred things. Mm. Any ideas, Franny? Yeah, just one, and I don't like it. <laughs> 4.30 p.m., Thursday, December 22nd. The neighborhood search for nine-year-old Stanley Johnstone continued. Lee Jones went back to the crime lab to start the precipitant test and the blood grouping. Levinson and his partner, Doherty, from Highland Juvenile, stood by. We called Chief of Detectives Thad Brown, and he ordered up a special detail to aid in the search for the missing boy. Ben and I questioned the boy's mother, Mrs. Ruth Johnstone, a woman in her early 40s. She seemed fairly calm under the circumstances. Miss Johnstone, um, is your boy standing in the habit of wandering off without telling you where he's going? No, he's not in the habit of wandering off, but he has done it before. When was the last time, Miss Johnstone? You don't have any children, do you, Sergeant Friday? No, I'm not married. Well, there comes that time in every young boy's life when he feels that it's time to leave home, to go out on his own. Usually happens somewhere around 8 to 10. I think I know what you mean. I've got a boy. Well, then you know how it is. My husband and I scolded Stanley one day after school. He was quite put out about it. He thought George and I were unfair. Packed a few of his things and left. How long was he gone? Oh, no time at all. About two hours. I was worried about him, but my husband said to leave him alone. Said every boy had to go through that stage. Well, then you think he's run away from home again this time? Yes, I think so. He's been gone about four hours now, and I have a funny feeling about it. Did you and his father have some misunderstanding with the boy recently? Well, that's just it. We haven't. I don't mind telling you now that we're talking about it, I'm... I am getting worried. Any place around that he might like to visit? Hobby shop, playground, where he might be? Yeah, there's um, Jensen's model shop and little Shanna Burroughs, but I've already called him and he hasn't been seen all day. I called all his friends and they have no idea where he is either. We'd like a list of all his friends and the places that he was known to frequent. Oh, yeah, all right, I'll give them to you. Where do you suppose he is? Where's your husband now, Miss Johnstone? Oh, he's at work. George works for the city. He's a fireman. What house is he stationed at? Engine Company 12. He's working the A platoon. He'll be home tomorrow morning... I haven't told him this time he's gone. Was well, there any chance that the boy might be down at the firehouse with his father? No. No, he seldom goes down there anymore. No, I don't think he's there. I'm awfully worried. May I call my husband? Certainly. Go right ahead. I know George will be worried. Stanley's been gone too long. Hello? May I speak with George Johnstone? This is Mrs. Johnstone. Thank you. I hate to call George at his work. Yes, ma'am. Does your husband own a gun? Yes, he does. What caliber? Do you know? Well, it's a forty-five automatic. He got it. George? This is Ruth. George, is Stanley down there with you by any chance? Oh. No, I can't find him anywhere. He hasn't been here when I came home from my shopping. Uh, there are two policemen here. No, I said there are two policemen here. Oh, no, dear. I'll call you if we don't find him soon. All right, dear. Yes, you too. Goodbye. Well, I, I didn't think he'd be with George. That forty-five is that the only gun in the household? Well, yes. Why are you asking about guns? Is, 
Has anything happened that you're not telling me about? No, ma'am. Just routine checking. We'll have to take a look at that 45 off, if you don't mind. Maybe I should tell you. We we do have another gun in the house, but it, it's all wrapped up. George bought it for Stanley's Christmas present. May we see it, please? Well, yes. Will, will you have to unwrap it? Yes, I'm afraid so. Well, I think I can reach it. We, we had to hide it. So let me see. Oh, here's the paper it was wrapped in. Stanley must have found it. It's gone. See, here's the gift card in the box the gun came in. The rifle. Can I look at that box, ma'am? Thank you. How about it, Jim? 22 caliber. Thursday, December 22nd, 5.15 p.m. It was getting dark. The search for the missing boy continued. We checked the list of Stanley Johnstone's friends. None of them or their parents had any idea of his whereabouts. We talked with Levinson again. He had been in touch with the detail combing the neighborhood. They had found nothing. We went down to Collis Avenue and 10th Street, service station on the corner. One nickel, Joe? No, I got one. You watch with that, huh? Yeah, Two six six seven, please. Two six six seven. Crime lab count. Hi, Lee. Joe Friday. Yeah, Joe. Any sign of the Johnson kid? No, not yet. How are you coming? Finished the precipitant test. It's human blood. Yeah. Working in the blood group now. Do you know what type the Johnson boy has? Well, we didn't want to upset his mother. I thought we'd wait till the last thing. We're still in the neighborhood. I check with the family physician. That way you won't disturb. Yeah, we figured on that. Oh, just a minute, Lee. Yeah, man. Boss just pulled up. Okay. Uh, Thad Brown's out here now. I'll check you later, Lee. Huh? Right, Joe. All right. Goodbye. Gentlemen, how's it going? Just check with Lee Jones. Yeah, I know. It's human blood. What do you think? We talked with the boy's mother, Miss Johnston. Found a gun missing. Yeah. Caliber's the same as the empty casing that Levinson found. Twenty-two. You said the gun was missing. Yeah, the Johnstones were going to give it to the boy as a Christmas present. They had it hidden, but it's gone now. Any idea who took it? Well, they left the Christmas wrapping behind. I think it was the kid. Twenty-two rifle, huh? Nine-year-old boy. When are they going to learn? First, it's carbide cannons on the 4th of July. The city issued ordinance after ordinance. But a few thousand kids around the country had to lose their eyes, fingers, hands before the parents gives us their full cooperation to outlaw them. I know what you mean. Sure you do. Even every other cop in the country became the heaviest trying to clamp down on them. It's always the same story. This time it's guns for Christmas. I know what you're thinking, but we're not sure yet. Listen, Friday, there's a city ordinance against giving a gun to a kid. You know that. Yes, I know that. There's a missing boy and a missing gun. There's blood on the ground and an empty shell. That's enough for me. I'm going to stay with it. Something's got to break. Yeah. I hope it's not the hearts of that kid's parents. Oh, hi, Chief. I've been looking for you, Friday. What do you got, Harry? Found the gun. New twenty-two rifle. Strong smell of cordite. I'd say it's been recently fired. Where'd you find it, Levinson? Uh, back up there in that scrub oak. Up behind the Johnston house. Mrs. Johnstone identified it. Buckley took it down to the crime lab. Thanks, Harry. Uh, is Miss Johnston okay? Mm, pretty sick now. Killaby came up with something else. What's that? There's another one missing. An eight-year-old boy. 6.30 p.m. We talked with Officer Killaby about the other missing boy. He told us that his name was Stephen Morheim, eight years old. His family had just moved into the neighborhood, and it seemed that no one besides the Morheim family knew that the boys played together. Mrs. Morheim told us that Stephen told her that he was going out to play and that he'd be home by six o'clock for dinner. She told us that he was an unusually prompt boy and almost never overstayed his playtime. We got a description of the Morheim boy and put out a missing broadcast. We called the Johnstone's family doctor. He told us that Stanley's blood was type O. At 7 p.m., we talked again with Mrs. John Morheim. Are you sure Mrs. Johnstone doesn't know where the boys are? She has no idea, Miss Morhan. It's terrible. It's just awful. I feel there's more to this thing. Something you're not telling me. Well, there's no use to upset you until we know a few things for sure. Then you are holding back something. Now, please try not to worry, Miss Morheim. There are certain questions we'll have to ask, routine questions in any kind of investigation. Is there anything else you want to know? Yes, ma'am. What is your boy's blood type? That's a funny question. Do you think anything's happened to him? Have you found him and you're not telling me? No, ma'am, we haven't found him. We don't think anything's happened to him. His blood type? Yes, ma'am. I think I have it written down in Stevie's baby book. Yes, here it is. Type O. Thank you. I wonder if I might use your phone, please? Yes, of course. It's in the hall. I'll be right back, ma'am. Yeah, okay. Two six six seven, please. Two six six seven. Hello, Ray. This is Friday. Lee there. Uh, just a minute, Joe. Take two, Lee. 
Bill speaking. Checking back, Lee. Did you get the blood types on the two missing boys? Yeah, both boys type O. So are the stains, Joe. Type O. You are listening to Dragnet for the solution to an actual case from official police files. Eight p.m. Thursday, December twenty-second. Still no sign of either of the missing boys. Chief of Detectives Thad Brown went back to headquarters to direct the search from there. He dispatched another detail of fifty men to aid in the hunt for the missing youngsters. Eight thirty p.m. was getting colder. The citrus growers were warned to expect a freeze. We went up the block to see Mrs. Johnstone. Her husband had quit work early and returned home. We talked with him. He could tell us nothing more than we already knew. We still had not informed either of the families about the bloodstains and the empty cartridge casing which had been discovered in the backyard of the Johnstone home. It was more than possible that they had a right to know about our findings, but Ben and I felt that there was no cause to add to the distress of the two families at this time. If the two missing boys were found alive and well, then the bloodstains and the cartridge case would be of no concern to the relieved parents. At 8.40 p.m., Ben and I left the Johnstone house and went to the home of Mr. and Mrs. John Morheim. Ms. Morheim, you said your husband worked at a market? Yes. He telephoned about 15 minutes ago and said he was closing up right away. He'll be here any minute. I do wish Stevie would call or come home. It's so cold out tonight. All he had on was a thin cotton jacket. Please try not to worry. We're doing everything we can. It's going to be all right. Stevie's father's such a sensitive man. He and the boy are so close. I know he's terribly upset. No, you're sure there's no place you might have forgotten? Some place where the boy might be? No, no place. No. Anything happened to the boy, it'll just kill you. No, no. You sit still. I'll get it, Miss Morgan. Joe? Hi, Harry. The Johnstone kid. He's been found. He's home, Sergeant. He's come home. Thank God he's all right. Where's he been? Did he tell you? No. No, he didn't. His clothes were all dirty and he's acting strange. I've never seen him like this. How do you mean, Miss Johnson? Well, he just came in the front door and said, Hello, Mom. And then he sat down in a chair and stared at the floor. He won't talk to his father or me. Do you mind if I talk to him? No, go ahead. I asked him about the little Moorheim boy and he wouldn't tell me a thing. Where is he now? In the living room. Looks all right. Yes. Son, son, this is a police officer. He he wants to talk to you. Now, don't be afraid, dear. He only wants to ask you some questions. Son, you see, Sergeant? Stanley, come on, look at me, son. Get your head up, youngster. Come on, now that's better. I had your mother pretty worried, you know that? You want to tell us where you've been? I wish you'd try to get him to eat a little something. You hear that, son? Want something to eat? Stanley, there's another little boy up the street who hasn't come home. Do you know where he is? His father and mother are worried about him, too. Just like your folks were. You've got to help us find him, son. I... I killed him. I killed Steve with the twenty-two. We were only playing. (laughs) But I killed him. How do you know you killed him? Maybe he's only hurt. Now, isn't that it? No, he's dead. I know he's dead. The gun went off. We forgot we put bullets in there. Where is he, Stanley? I hid him. I was scared. I didn't want anybody to find him. Where did you hide him, son? In a cave up on the hill. I didn't mean it. It was my pal. Do you want to show us where, son? Yes, I'll show you. Please don't send me to jail. 9.15 p.m., Thursday, December 22nd. Nine-year-old Stanley Johnstone led the way up the hill behind the backyard of his home. He showed us the wagon he moved the body in. His father came along with us. About 50 feet from the crest of the hill, the boy pointed to a thicket of scrub oak. There we found a small cave holding the body of Stephen Morheim. There was a single bullet wound in his chest just below his heart. He was dead. We covered the body. Stanley. Stanley, how did it happen? I knew my folks were going to give me the gun for Christmas. I knew where it was, and I got it. There was a box of bullets with it. Were you pointing the gun at Stephen? No, sir. No, sir, I wasn't. It was Steve's turn to play with it. I was chasing him. He tripped over the stump there in our backyard and fell. The gun hit him in the stomach, and it went off. 
Why do you think you killed him if you're telling us the truth? I'm telling the truth, honest. That's the truth. All right, I believe you, son. But why do you think you killed him? It was my gun. Steve would still be alive if I didn't go and get it. I should have waited till Christmas. It's all my fault. Where have you been all this time? In the cave with Steve. What were you doing in there, son? I was praying. I was praying for God to make him alive again. After a thorough investigation, Ben and I were convinced that the shooting of Stephen Morheim was accidental. Lieutenant Lee Jones' findings substantiated the John Stone boy story even to the smallest detail. We put in a call to the coroner's office and acquainted him with the facts. He designated a local mortuary to handle the body pending autopsy and granted us permission to remove the body to the Morheim home. Mrs. Morheim collapsed. The family doctor was called. Ben and I sat in the living room to wait for John Morheim, the dead boy's father. Edith! Edith! Mr. Morheim? Yes. You the police? Yes, sir. Where's Edith? Where's my wife? Has my boy come home? Have you found him? Yes, sir. Where is he? Steve! Stevie! Where's Steve? He's hurt, isn't he? Yes, sir. Where is he? I want to see him. He's hurt bad, Mr. Morheim. Where is he? I want to see him. He's in his room. How bad? Pretty bad. He's... He's dead. All right, if I go in. If you want to. Will you go with me? Sure. Don't make it any harder on yourself, Mr. Morheim. I want to see my boy. Listen to me, son. We've got a lot of nice things for Christmas. Everything you wanted. I I got you the three new cars for the train. The one with the search lights really works. (laughs) Son, you... That new switch you wanted to it. A little more try. <laughs> oh, dear. Now you can have a big day out. <laughs> you know that, that new baseball that you saw? Well, I got it for you. <laughs> Cowboy outfit you wanted, I think. Got you too. Mr. Morhan. Come on, Joe. What happened? It was an accident. He was playing with Johnstone Boy at the spruce. Playing with a gun. the other boy's name? Stanley Johnston. It was an accident. Mr. Morheim, where are you going? I want to see that boy. We had no idea what the dead boy's father had in mind. We didn't feel that we should try to restrain him. We went along with him up the street to the Johnstone home. Hi, Stevie's father. Where's your boy? I'm sorry. Where's your boy? He's right here. Won't you come in? It's all right, Mrs. Johnston. You... You the boy that was with Stevie? Yes, sir. What's your name? Stanley. Stanley. I know it wasn't your fault, Stanley. I wonder if you'd do something for me. Yes, sir. I've got a lot of nice presents for Stevie. I know he'd want you to have them. I want to give them to you. Christmas Eve. Mom? I I think that would be a fine idea, son. Come on, Ben. 
What does it all prove, Joan? You don't give a kid a gun for Christmas. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On December 24th, 1948, a coroner's inquest was held in the county morgue, city and county of Los Angeles, state of California. At the coroner's inquest, it was officially recorded that Stephen Morheim's death was the result of an accident. Stanley Johnstone, age nine, was absolved of any legal responsibility for his friend's death. You have just heard Dragnet, a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of acting chief of police, W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Dragnet honors Hennepin County, Minneapolis, state of Minnesota, and the men of the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office, another of America's great law enforcement agencies. One of these men, Sheriff Ed Ryan, veteran police officer and department administrator who dedicates his life to making yours more secure. Fatima Cigarettes, the best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet, portion transcribed from Los Angeles. Be sure to hear songs by Morton Downey tonight on NBC. And there you have it, the Christmas episode of Dragnet, 22 Rifle for Christmas, Dragnet. Starring Jack Webb. And that's all the time we have for this episode of the Mr. Nelson Show. So, Merry Christmas, everyone, and good night. The views and opinions expressed during the Mr. Nelson Show do not necessarily reflect those held by RadioMisfits.com. So, any complaints and or comments should be sent to at Mr. Nelson on Twitter, where they will be promptly ignored and or blocked. Happy holidays, happy holidays. It should be happy holidays because it's inclusive. It's inclusive of everyone. And it's not that snobby hey, and uh, white, left, you left. know, that's important. Lefty. <sighs> what, Red? Merry Christmas. Oh, you! <laughs>